Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to add a health disclaimer. The information presented in this podcast is not medical advice, and this episode is for informational purposes only. Consult with your child's pediatrician for any medical issues or questions you may have. Hello and welcome to Genius Little Minds, the podcast about childhood mental health from the perspective of a licensed mental health professional. I'm Dr. Madeleine Vieira, a clinical child psychologist specializing in infant mental health and childhood anxiety disorders. I'm also a mother of three girls, ages seven, five, and three, so I can personally relate to a lot of the struggles parents go through. Raising healthy children is important, so on each episode of Genius Little Minds, we'll dive into an aspect of childhood mental health. I'm here to shine a light on the tough issues that families like you are facing every day. Things like childhood mood disorders, anxiety, tricky family dynamics, and more. I'll guide you through the various aspects of children's mental health so you not only understand your child better, but also feel empowered as a parent to make decisions and help them seek treatment if it's needed. My mission is to demystify childhood mental health issues so you can connect with your child better and help them lead a healthy, happy life. Throughout the podcast, I'll help you understand the signs, symptoms, and treatments for various childhood psychological disorders. We'll talk about how you can best support your child in both school and at home, and how to find professional help if necessary. Together, we'll navigate tough topics like infant detachment, toddler tantrums, signs of anxiety, ADHD, and childhood depression, intrusive thoughts or obsessive behaviors, and so much more. So whether you're having trouble bonding with your newborn or you have an older child displaying behavioral difficulties, this podcast is for you. I work with infants and children with a wide range of mental health concerns. If you gain one thing from this podcast, it's that you are not alone. Thousands of families struggle with the same things that you do. And the good news is, help is available. I believe that with the right information, you can make empowered decisions for your family. The brain undergoes a tremendous amount of growth and development from birth to age 5. As parents, you probably think a lot about how to help your child be healthy and happy, but you may not parent with your child's brain in mind. Our brains are made up of a lot of different parts, and those parts all have different jobs. In Dr. Dan Siegel and Dr. Tina Payne Bryson's book, The Whole Brain Child, they explain the concept of integration, or getting all the parts of the brain to work together. There's the left side of the brain, which is responsible for speech and logical thinking. It loves order and organization. It's literal and logical. Then there's the right side of the brain, which is responsible for spatial thinking, reading nonverbal cues, and processing emotions. Instead of focusing on the details like the left brain does, it cares more about the big picture. Think of it as the more emotional and experiential of the two hemispheres. There's also the reptilian brain, which gives us the ability to behave instinctually and make split-second decisions, and the mammalian brain, which is invested in relationships and connection. All of these parts, and many more, make up our complex human brain. And sometimes the different parts want different things. So, at times, our brain encourages us to be reflective instead of reactive, or makes us behave irrationally instead of rationally. When we're able to integrate all of these parts so they work well together, Thriving is possible. You as a parent or caregiver have the opportunity to be a tremendous positive influence in your child's life. You can help your child integrate the different parts of their brain so they all work harmoniously. 
and you can help certain pathways in your child's brain form, depending on how you interact with them. Talking to your preschooler about their experiences, for example, say, a trip to the zoo or a friend's birthday party, will help them be more likely to remember those experiences. Four- and five-year-olds are naturally inquisitive, so talking to your child about the activities that went on during a day will improve their listening skills and grow their vocabulary. By four years old, your child should be able to talk in short, complete sentences and have back-and-forth conversations with you. And if you have a five-year-old, you may be thinking, yes, my child never stops talking. Remember, everything your child experiences wires or rewires their brain and affects the way it develops. So all those little moments that may feel annoying, like when your child asks why so many times on a single car ride that you've lost count, just remember this, you are supporting their development every time you engage with them. You don't have to do any of it perfectly, but by showing up as best you can every day, you are influencing your child's brain development and helping them grow toward integration in everyday moments. So chat about the day's activities. Chat about a book you read or a television show you just watched or a game you played. I know that one day when they stop asking you for advice and are making their way in the world on their own, you're probably going to miss these little moments. Talking with your child about their feelings is also useful for their social and cognitive development. By doing so, you're helping them become more emotionally intelligent, meaning they'll be more likely to develop empathy and understand both their own feelings and the feelings of other people more easily. When children are very young, they're right hemisphere dominant, especially in their first three years of life. This is why young children are so absorbed in the moment and can have very big emotions that seem illogical to us. When children become emotionally flooded, their right brains are working in overdrive. Their more logical left brain isn't working in sync with the right hemisphere. But when your toddler or preschooler is asking why nonstop, you know their left brain is starting to ramp up. They're looking for answers. They want to know about cause and effect relationships, and they want to understand the connections between things. Now, we don't want our children to be drowning in feelings all the time, but we also don't want them living in an emotional desert. That's why we care about integration. It allows all of the parts of the brain to work together in harmony. Here's a strategy from the Whole Brain Child book by Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson, which can help your child ride out those right brain emotional waves. This strategy is called Connect and Redirect. If your child comes to you with big feelings and they might seem illogical or ill-timed or blown out of proportion to you, rather than trying to logic them out of their feelings, allow your child to feel felt. What I mean by this is appeal to their super active right brain by acknowledging their emotions and making them feel heard and seen. Speak in a nurturing tone of voice. Offer comforting physical touch. Listen without judgment. This empathy will go a long way in steering the conversation toward more solid, logical ground. Once you've connected to your child's right brain, another word for doing this is attunement or attuning to your child's needs, you can redirect the conversation with the more logical left brain. If your preschooler is furious he can't go to school barefoot, for example, don't start your response with a logical reply that going to school with shoes on keeps him safe. Just saying, put your shoes on now so you don't step on something dangerous, isn't going to calm the storm. Instead, aim to connect and attune first. Try saying something like, you're frustrated because you want to go to school barefoot. 
often children are so frustrated with adults because they are just getting told no all the time. Their feelings are getting belittled or bulldozed on accident when we're in a rush and trying to get out the door to get to school on time. Remember, time passes a lot more slowly for a preschooler. Slow down to truly connect. Once your child is a bit calmer, then you can offer a logical explanation and come up with a plan. This might be something like, Our house is a safe place to walk barefoot. When we get home from preschool today, would you like to walk around barefoot together? Try the connect and redirect method out on your preschooler and see if it works. Connect first, problem solve second. Let's talk about what to expect from your preschooler in terms of their cognitive development. As I mentioned earlier, as your preschooler grows, they'll likely ask you a lot of questions. They'll want to know why the sky is blue, why turtles have shells, what happens when people die. A whole day with your preschooler might feel exhausting to you because all they do is ask why, why, and why, and want to know more, more, and more. This is, after all, the age of why. And not all of their questions will be polite. If you're the parent of a preschooler, I'm sure you've been mortified by a question your child asked loudly in public. Your four-year-old may become really curious about death, for example. They may point at an elderly person in the grocery store and ask, when are they going to die? Is it soon? And while you may not want to confront your own mortality in the checkout line, this curiosity really is normal, especially at this age. Your preschooler won't understand the four sub-concepts of death when they're young. They'll only understand the first, non-functionality, or the concept that when you die, your body stops working. The other three sub-concepts include universality, all living things die, irreversibility, you can't come back to life once you're dead, and inevitability, death is unavoidable. Many children will understand all four of these sub-concepts when they're between the ages of 7 and 10. If your child does ask you about death, respond as simply and clearly as you can. You don't need to go into detail, but try not to brush off their questions, even if they make you feel uncomfortable. In addition to asking seemingly morbid questions, your child will also likely be developing a sense of humor around this age. So they may find certain jokes or riddles absolutely hysterical. My middle daughter, for example, loves knock-knock jokes. She's five. One of her favorites is knock-knock, who's there? Boo! Boo-hoo! Don't cry, it's only a joke. When your child is around four and five years old, they still won't be able to tell the difference between reality and make-believe. But they will begin showing an interest in predicting what might happen next, like during story time. I'm not going to go too in-depth about play today because I'll be doing a whole episode on preschooler play and learning. But I would be remiss not to mention it since play is a huge part of a child's cognitive development. You can engage with a book together before you even open it by asking your preschooler what they think might happen in the story based on the cover art. When thinking about your preschooler's cognitive development, you'll also want to consider how much time they're spending in front of a screen. Children age 8 and younger typically spend an average of 2 hours a day looking at a screen. Most scientists and doctors will tell you that screen time alters children's brains. Some argue that screens help prepare children's brains for the fast-paced, high-stimulus world we live in. But screens give off a lot of information and visual input. 
And the faster the visual stimuli is moving and changing, the faster your brain has to work to keep up and process it. And when that screen is taken away, there's some cognitive slowing that happens afterward. You know what I'm talking about. If you've ever let your child sit and watch cartoons or play on the iPad for a few hours, we're all guilty of this every once in a while. And afterward, they seem to be in a sort of daze. That daze is the cognitive slowing that happens after overstimulation. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends we not let children between the ages of two and five exceed one hour of screen time per day. One study found that children who looked at screens for more than one hour per day had lower levels of white matter integrity in the brain. White matter supports literacy skills and language development. Reading forces you to use your brain and imagination to conjure up an image of the story in your mind. Of course, children have picture books, but, and those help them get a sense of what's happening in the story. But reading a book together or getting read to is still a very different experience than watching something on TV or on an iPad. All screen time is not bad, and some games or programs can support your child's learning. But too much screen time can cause stunted frontal lobe development, making it harder for your preschooler to learn social cues like facial expressions and develop empathy. The stimuli from screen time can be total sensory overload. All the colors and sounds and storylines can be a lot for a young child to try to process, causing stress hormones like cortisol to be released. The reward system also gets activated by screen time, flooding the brain with dopamine, getting children used to and seeking immediate gratification. When the screen is taken away, their brain is searching for that missing input and stimulation, so they might start looking elsewhere for that instant gratification. So, as with anything, be mindful about how much screen time your preschooler is getting. As always, now is the portion of the podcast where I take caller questions. On every episode, we hear from parents from all over the world in the hopes that will help you get some clarity on how to support your child. Hello, uh, good afternoon. Um, this is Soraya calling from Abu Dhabi about my four years old son. Um, he talks nonstop. <laughs> And I mean non-stop. Um, he literally talks all day, um, from the time he wakes up um, to the time his head hits the pillow to go to sleep. And um, I mean, I love him. Um, I love him to death. But I'm just starting to go crazy. Um, <laughs> I cannot respond to everything that comes out of his mouth. And, um, and he get upset if I don't. Um, so please, I really need some help. Hi, Soraya. Thanks for calling in with your question. This phase can be incredibly tiring, so I'm happy to give you some tips. When preschoolers realize that they have all these new words, they often want to use them all the time. Trust me, you're not alone in your struggle. It's important to remember that we want to set our children up for success. In this area, that means setting boundaries and teaching skills for your child to not talk constantly. Since he won't be able to talk all day at school, and it will be harder to make friends if he can't listen to others, you want to give him strategies to succeed. Avoid negative statements that describe non-stop talking as being a negative part of who he is. Instead, lean into the idea that it's simply an ability that he needs to learn how to regulate and use well. 
set age-appropriate yet firm boundaries for when talking is okay and when it's not. Consider using a visual like a timer to set specified periods of time when he practices being silent or just listening to you tell a story about something. Lengthen the time on the timer as he gets better at this. You can also help him find other outlets for his energy and places to find connections. Try to set up more time to play with friends or encourage him to draw a picture of his story instead of talking about it. If these strategies don't seem to help, you may consider a larger problem being present. This could include an anxiety disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or autism spectrum disorder. Consider reaching out to a mental health professional if you think one of these issues is at play with your son. Hello, Dr. Vieira. Um, my name is Gregorio. My wife and I live uh, in Chile. I'm calling about our five-year-old daughter, um, uh, who started using her baby voice again. I started noticing it uh, when her younger sister turned two, um, and started talking more. <laughs> Obviously, our toddler does use baby talk, but how do I get my five-year-old to stop? Should I be concerned? Hi, Gregorio. Thanks for sharing your concern. Regressing back to baby talk, especially when there's a younger sibling in the home, is totally normal. It's similar to how we see children regress in potty training when a new baby is brought home. The most common reason for this is that the older child sees the younger child getting attention and being praised for this behavior, so they want to do it too. If this is the case, there are a few strategies you can try to address the problem. Try your best not to acknowledge that they are using baby talk. If it doesn't get them the attention they are wanting, they are likely to stop using it. Instead, praise them often when they choose to use their big kid voice. If this doesn't work, you can consider not responding to their requests when they're using baby talk. Wait for them to ask in a full sentence or with a normal voice. You can say something like, I don't understand baby talk. Use your big kid voice to tell me what you want. In some cases, there is a deeper issue with regressing to baby talk that needs to be addressed. If your child is showing other signs of regression, like bedwetting, seek out help from your pediatrician or a mental health professional. This could be a sign of trauma or a mental health issue. Hi there, this is Nicole from Las Vegas. Um, I'm calling to ask about appropriate screen time. I know you said to limit screen time to less than an hour a day, but my daughter actually has the opposite problem. She can't handle more than like 30 minutes. I almost wish she would watch more television so I could get some work done around the house on the weekends. But she turns into such a cranky, emotional mess if she watches more than like one episode of something. Is this normal? Nicole, thanks for sharing about your daughter. Screen time is a part of just about every aspect of our lives these days, so it's important that we know as parents how to navigate it. Screens can be incredibly stimulating, which may be what is causing her to get cranky and emotional. It's important to remember that not all screen time is created equal. Television shows that change the picture often or use lots of fast graphics are much more stimulating than ones that show real people or animals and stay on one scene for an extended time. Consider trying different types of TV shows to see if she has the same reaction. Choose slower-paced, less flashy shows. 
I know it can be difficult to get done what you need to with a toddler at your feet. If screens aren't an option, you may be able to prep a whole set of activities that keep her entertained for longer. There are lots of ideas online about how to keep a child of each specific age busy. Good luck. I'm Milena, and we live in São Paulo, Brazil, with our two kids, a four-and-a-half-year-old and, and one-year-old. My parents' mother died last month. She was old and had been sick for a while, but our four-year-old doesn't seem satisfied by my answers. He keeps asking why Grandma vanished, where her body went, and is she gone forever? Is there a way to answer his questions so he stops asking? Or is he asking because he's still curious? I, I can't figure out if he forgot what I told him or if, um, or if this is his way of processing her death. Thanks. Hi, Melina. Thanks for calling in. Our children's understanding of death shifts many times throughout their early years. At four years old, your child likely struggles to understand that death is permanent. They often think that death is reversible or temporary. It's normal for children this age to ask repeatedly where the deceased person is, simply because they don't understand that you mean that the person is gone forever. It's important not to use euphemisms like, Grandma just went to sleep, because the temporary nature of this confuses them even more. If your son asks specific questions about the death process, give specific, concrete answers with as much information as is developmentally appropriate. Often, if they can formulate the question, they are ready to hear the answer. Though your son may be trying to tell you how he's feeling with his words, you may learn even more from his play. Preschoolers will often act out in their play what they can't express with their words. Watch from a distance while he plays with dolls or friends to see if you can pick up on other things that he may be thinking or feeling. What you're describing sounds like normal processing for his age. But if you believe that he needs more support, don't be afraid to reach out for help from a mental health professional. Preschoolers are naturally curious, and this can make them both really fun and really annoying to hang out with. I'm mostly kidding. We love all the endless questions from our four and five-year-olds, don't we? The reality is their curiosity is due to the incredible cognitive growth and development they are undergoing. And as parents and caregivers, we have the wonderful and yes, tiring responsibility of nurturing this growth as best we can. Here are three key points to remember about preschooler cognitive development. One, remember to connect and redirect when your preschooler is having a big emotional moment. Connecting with their right brain first by being soothing, empathetic, and honoring their big feelings. This will actually help your child bounce back from feeling out of control faster than if you were to shut down their feelings and force them to be logical before they're ready. Connect first, problem solve second. Two, endless questions are normal at this age. Yep, even those seemingly morbid ones about death. Three, try to limit your preschooler screen time to less than one hour a day. Video chatting with loved ones tends to be viewed differently than say, television or a computer game because it involves face-to-face -face and back-and-forth interaction. So don't kiss those chats with grandma and grandpa goodbye just yet. 
I hope you found today's episode on preschooler brain development informative and helpful. Stay tuned because next time we'll cover everything you might want to know about preschooler behavior, such as lying, shyness, and aggression on the playground. See you next time and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.